But like I just remember like he won and people were so thrilled because he was the first green MPP. So I remember like they were panning at they were panning out and it was just like Mike, 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 clapping. That's just like all I remember. I was like, yeah. Hi, I'm Jake Kitt. And I'm Liam McPherson. It's the newest edition of your Lone Shark's favorite podcast. It's Speech from the Throne, Episode 8. We're here to bring you the latest and greatest from the halls of power. But not with more insufferable just-inflation puns. We're just here to argue. Hey, Jacob, what are we talking about today? Well, Liam, it's time to wrap up our tour of Confederation. We've talked about Alberta. We've talked about Quebec. We even threw in Nova Scotia there just for the shits and giggles. Now, it's time for the only other province that matters, and that's Ontario. Sorry about the rest of you, Canada, but it just never mattered in the first place. These are his words, not mine, listeners. (laughs) Ontario is the true Canada. And June of this year, the true Canada, Ontario, is going to be having its uh, provincial election. And of course, as all the pundits are saying... Uh, It looks like it's going to be a complete devastation for Doug Ford. He's going to be totally destroyed. I mean, after all, how could this guy possibly win when his record has been devastating schools with huge cuts to higher and lower education, ravaging the environment, uh, allowing long-term care homes to become a complete bloodbath in COVID-19, actively fighting against affordable housing, and, and his one campaign promise to bring Buck a beer, to have only a loony buy a beer. He couldn't even deliver on that. In fact, beer prices have gone way up. But that's because of just inflation. Well, actually, actually, that's because (laughs) of just inflation. You see, uh, no, no, you know what? You liberals, you always try to cut us off. And you're, you, you, you don't cut our taxes, but you cut us off. I would cut your taxes, uh, and I would prevent morons like this from governing. Um. <laughs> well, thank you, Pierre. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about you later, PP. Don't you worry. Now, now with a, a record like this, Liam, it's, it seems p- plainly obvious that he should be trashed. But, you know, I looked at the, at the polls on, on 338 Canada, the polling aggregator, and to my shock and astonishment, He's 10 points ahead of the Liberals. And currently, his odds of winning the most seats, the, the, the PCs in, in, in Ontario have a 97% chance, 97% chance of winning uh, the June election as of right now. The only question is, will they get a majority or will they get a minority? Now, how the hell did this happen? How do you get a government whose obituaries were being written only a few months after they first took over? How do you how do you move from a, a complete disaster of a government to almost a lock for victory? Well, uh, it comes from your official opposition and uh, the liberals completely failing to reinvent themselves in response to your leadership. So at the NDP, they have the the classic problem of having really great policies, but a total deadbeat leader. I mean, this is Andrew Horvath. She's been in there since 2009. Hasn't changed a single part of her shtick. Uh, re- just bringing out the same tired uh, leadership 
staffers and communications team over and over and over again, getting pummeled and pummeled over and over again. You had like in 2015-2017, Jagmeet Singh was a, a deputy under her, a rising star in the party, and I think it's it's fair to say he felt quite stifled. He, he realized he was going nowhere under this uh, lady and decided that he'd be better off uh, with the relative irrelevance of the leadership of the of the federal NDP, when the the provincial NDP could have had a shot at government. That's just how uh, undervalued star candidates feel in uh, the NDP. If you're not Horvath, you get choked out. And you just get to watch this mediocre leader ruin your chances over and over and over again. And with the Liberals, the Liberals, you know, they got completely trashed in 2018. They went from majority government to barely having uh, enough seats that you can even count them on on, on either uh, on both hands. Um, and rather than completely reinventing themselves, they're just going right back to the same old conservative liberal pay playbook where when when one is out of power they criticize the other for doing something that they're going to do immediately once they get power themselves and we just go back and forth back and forth rather than actually changing any policy reworking what they're doing atoning for their past sins we got a guy del duca that's still very connected to all of the problems that the that the liberal regime held before yeah. without really any uh, plan to move forward so this is what I proposed, Liam. Ford is ahead, but he's not, like, invincible. This is not Jason Kenney in, in 2019 where he's going to win a majority of the of the votes and there's just no way to stop him. He's, he's barely at 40%. He's, like, at 38 right now. If the Liberals and NDP worked a little bit closer together, like they're doing right now with the federal uh, tier, they can easily get rid of this guy. And he needs to be gotten rid of. So this is what I sort of uh, would propose. They need to think of themselves as, as working more as sister parties. And I do think that the public is ready for this shift. The, the, the public, they like the NDP's ideas, but they're a little bit worried that they could be a little bit too Looney Tunes. The, the public, I think, likes the stability of the liberals, but they also feel that they are just morally corrupt and not without uh, reason. But... If they start to deal with uh, with each other, they can solve e each other's faults. What I'd recommend for stage one of this is a regional breakdown. The, the, the NDP has a strong uh, regional presence in southwestern Ontario. If the Liberals withdrew from that area, they could actually be in contention for a lot of those seats uh, against the PCs. The Liberals... Uh, in the suburbs of Ottawa and Toronto, also have uh, really strong uh, abilities to perform if the NDP was able to vacate as well and support the Liberals. I think they can do, a and, and of course you can fight over the seats in the cities, like in Ottawa and Toronto proper, because the, the Conservatives have little chance of, of winning in either. Um, I think with a, with a simple regional distribution, you can cut Ford, uh, prevent him from from forming your uh, from forming a minority, rather than right now the the liberals and NDP are just trying to see who can be more mediocre than the other, who can outflank the other in dullness, and they're going to end up basically allowing Ford to to walk over both of them, and and for the record, we just can't let that happen. I mean, four we can't four years of Ford is bad enough. Four more years is going to be a disaster.
I knew Ford more years was coming. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, um, I agree with much of what you said. Oh no, listeners. We're not, I don't know. How it's dare get, you, like, Liam? We're going to, we're going to get hot under the collar, but like not at each other. So if you're expecting that, I mean, we might, who knows what will happen, but like, I, I don't have much negative to say about that. I have a lot to say about it though. And, um, I mean, I think what you said about the NDP is on, to date on point. Uh, you know, the NDP, uh, in Ontario have had the same leader since I believe I'd have to fact check this, but I believe off the top of my head, 2009, yeah, pretty I, sure. I, I checked that on Wikipedia. Yeah. Gotcha. So, right. So that is how many years, 13 years with the same leader, who has only in her last election got official opposition and who, because of that alone, you know, in most parties, maybe if she was well-liked enough, she'd make it through. But the party in general has, has been so compliant and because it's, it's over the 13 years, it's, she's been able to build it with her people. Uh, so she, she, it's harder for her, party to just throw her out like voters might throw a government out an incumbent government um because most of them don't have any desire to because they were maybe recruited by andrea or somebody that andrea recruited right like a party eventually a party hierarchy like most voters don't realize and most people don't realize in general that parties are are very complex organizations that they're very hierarchical hierarchical (laughs) i'm not good with that word um they have a lot of levels to them And so the thing with that is over time, if you're the leader of a party, or even if you're somebody maybe in the leader's office or high up in a high up uh, uh, department, like sort of section of the party, um, eventually you recruit people sort of around what that brain trust wants, that that brain trust being just the higher ups, like a very centralized small group. And you recruit people based on what that brain trust wants. So eventually you fill the ranks of your party with people like that. And that allows you to hold under power longer. So I think that's in part how she's been able to survive. I, I, but I don't know. And maybe she is a, a, a tactician within her, uh, her own party, but electorally, she's been totally irrelevant until getting official opposition. And that is the only reason I think she, I would say, this is her last chance. This is her oh, last shot. Uh, and I like, it's, it's all or nothing. And if they blow it then, and they don't throw her out, I will be, su- I won't be surprised, but I'll be incredibly disappointed because they're, they're in desperate need of a refresh right now. Um, with the PCs, like, again, you're, you were saying everything I've been thinking. Uh, I know that <clears throat> the liberals, the previously liberal administration administration in Ontario, um, you know, wasn't great, really wasn't great at all on the long-term care file. They, they let them, they neglected them. They let them get the way they were. Um, but Doug Ford did absolutely nothing to stop that inertia. He did absolutely nothing. It was, what is for him? It was, what is the thing that I can do that he always looks for efficiencies and that's the word he always uses efficiencies. And his brain is very simple-minded, and some people, conservatives would say clever, where he says, what is the most cost-effective and politically effective way that I can look like I'm doing something about this? And he's not the only politician that's like that, but he's very, well, I'll give him credit, he's, he's very good. Um, but the, the trouble with that is, eventually, the voters get, they catch on to your shtick. Yep. And he 
did absolutely nothing to change anything about the long-term care system when he came in. Absolutely zip. Nothing. Uh, the, the pandemic hit. He had over a year of, it, of evidence that they, they needed ventilation retrofits. They needed the schools needed ventilation retrofits and other buildings needed it. Um, they're uh, not necessarily an easy thing to do in terms of like time, but like an easy thing to mobilize and get going on. Um, he had over a year to do something about that. He didn't even bother. N95s are by far the best form of protection that's been scientifically clear for quite some time now. Cloth masks aren't horrible, but if you're going to wear a cloth, cloth mask, you'll probably dub, want to double up. Even surgical masks, you want to double up. That's become common knowledge for quite some time. There's been a bunch of evidence. They fought nurses in court, and it took until December of, 2020, of 2021 for nurses to be provided N95s. They weren't provided N95s. There was an N95 shortage for the longest time, so nurses you know, would expect to have access to that immediately. But And part of that's, you know, federally, they there wasn't a, a large reservoir of PPE. So when it came time to dip into it, it, it went very quickly, and nurses weren't well equipped. They were only equipped with surgical masks later on. Um, they were equipped. They fought for 95s for a long time. Doug Ford ignored them. Because uh, he's like, well, the, the, you know, we've already been efficient. We already gave him the surgical masks. I mean, he didn't say that, but I'm sure that was his mindset. And he's like, well, you know, legally, the, the court did side with him initially. And But it's just, it's very cynical. It's like, almost like, like Francois Legault and him are very similar in that regard to just, I know it's a bit of a digression, but I, I want to... I think it's an important point. Um, the way those two govern are very similar. It's it's how can I look like I'm not only like look like I'm doing something with in the most cost effective way, even if it's not really accomplishing anything, but also like how can I crush my enemies? Um, like they've both always been very um, brutal politicians in that regard. And Francois Legault will fights Canada in court over indigenous kids, like Chris, Chris was saying uh, last episode, um, because he, he gets a rise off of it. He's like, oh, look at me. Ah, you know, I'm bringing this back to Quebec. Rah. And and Doug Ford would fight uh, nurses in court for similar reasons. Look, at look, you know, like those damn unions. Look, I'm crushing those unions. Kind of, you know, like it, it's just it, it, it's their brand and their brand has it's it's a Mike. It's honestly not unlike a Mike Harris brand, though I will say Doug Ford hasn't been nearly as fiscally conservative as Mike Harris. The way he plays politics is very similar. It's very just brute force. Uh, and he has blood on his hands from some of the mistakes he made in long-term care. Uh, luckily, there were a handful that chose not to follow provincial advice because it wasn't good. Um, but mo most long-term care followed their advice, which was deadly because they didn't update it. And it wasn't competent advice and it wasn't competent leadership. And he didn't spend the money and like nobody was asking for him to spend a hundred billion or whatever. Um, I mean, if he, if he did great, but nobody was asking him for that. They were just asking him to, to do the upgrades to ventilation, to provide proper, proper PPE, um, to make restrictions that actually were based on science and not banning kids from playgrounds and, uh, things like that, which do absolutely nothing to stop the spread of COVID-19. Um, it, it's, it, but they didn't, that was the thing is the government never cared whether it was actually doing something scientifically to stop spread. It was just what looks like we're doing something and it bit him in the ass in April, uh, 2021 and about a year ago, people were livid at him, myself included, were livid because it, it was just like a, he's a bumbling bull in a China shop in the way that he does that kind of policy, that he handles that kind of policy. Uh, and 
he he's managed to climb back up in the polls. But you know what, Jacob? I pulled up I pulled up the uh, 2022 uh, polling while you were chat while you were doing your spiel, and recent polls starting with. Uh, March 31st in Main Street Research, then there's an Ipsos poll, and then there's an Abacus Data poll, all show the Liberals and Tories within a three to four point margin. Uh, now, that's not to credit Del Duca because I'm about to dunk on him as well, just a second. Um, but, like, you know, people are the progressives. I mean, I don't think that's by, by any means because of Doug Ford's base. It's because, like, some, maybe a handful of swing voters. And like center leftists are like, hmm, they're flirting with the NDP, they're flirting with the liberals, but right now most of them are flirting with the liberals. And that's, they've probably parked their vote there for now. Like that could change once we get into the campaign and we really get deep into the platforms and the debates. But they're parking their votes there and that's it's looking for the good for the liberals right now, but I would say it's still very fluid. And Del Duca certainly up until recently wasn't doing a whole lot to help himself with that. Like he was, he's an unknown. No, still to this day, nobody knows who the hell this guy is. He's very unknown. He's, it's like the Andrew Shear problem. No, like who? Far worse than the Andrew Shear problem. Like he, he barely has impressions with 40% of the population when almost the other two leaders have universal name recognition. Like it's crazy. That's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Yeah. It is unacceptable. And it didn't have to be that way. Uh, but I, I think his, I, his leadership so far I mean, he, so, okay. So here's what I'll say. So he released a promise and I sent it to Jacob today. Uh, and if you'll give me a moment, listeners, I'm going to pull it up because it's, it's important that we get the information correct here. And it said institutionalizing seniors through long-term care has been one of the great mistakes of the 20th century. Today, I'm announcing that an Ontario liberal government will end for profit long-term care and provide 400,000 more seniors with home care. Uh, so that's yeah. So if he if he can make that the message, he can right. win the election. It, I'm Absolutely. Gonna say. But it's just is he going to be interesting enough that he can the media will listen to him when he says this? And it's I think if he doesn't up. start to to find a theme, which is I'm responding to the greatest health crisis of our time with policies that are common sense and easily marketable. Uh, he could pick again three four easy. He could turn it into a three three to four pillar campaign easily he could say you know uh getting rid of for profit long-term care okay he could say covering uh if he wanted to be like fiscally conservative quote-unquote about it to not scare off the blue liberals he could say um covering uh prescriptions for people on uh for people making under x thousand a year um if he wanted to be more ambitious about it, which I wish he would, he could, you know, we're, we're covering prescriptions for everyone or something like that. So like just three or four big promises. So ending for profit, long-term care, uh, covering prescriptions, raising the minimum wage to 20. Um, and then maybe one more like, um, bringing back the EV rebate or something like that. That's not that exciting, but something, a fourth flashy thing. And he could easily be in the conversation, but so far to date, like this is his first exciting promise to date. Because so far it's been, okay, we're going to bring back the EV rebate. It's like, okay, cool. Like, that's not bad. But it's like, okay, cool. What else are you going to do? Uh, We're going to bring back the basic income pilot. It's like, okay, great news. Like, those are both great things. But it's like, it's also like, those were both win era things. So it's like, there's not, which is nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, they were good policies. Vote Stephen Del Duca. You can get Kathleen so, Wynne again. And that's, that but, so and well. that's, but that's the thing is like, he's not Kathleen Wynne again, but that's the message it sends when it's like, okay, we're going to bring back exactly. this, 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 yeah. this, this from the Wynne era. Um, and yeah. 
you know, he's kind of, he, I think he's a very, I'm not saying he's like unlikable. He's, he seems like a very like, um, you know, thoughtful fellow, but he's, he's very, he's almost like, like Robert Stanfield or something where he's just very, yeah. he looks like a Bond villain. <laughs> like he's just, he's not very poseable. Anytime that the media is getting this is the so picture mean. of him, it's going to be an unflattering it's, it's true. It's, There's it's, truth it's, to it. There's truth to it. I know that sounds brutal listeners but like it there's truth to that and like i mean why did like be honest why did a good chunk of people like justin trudeau why did a good chunk of people like him he was handsome he's a handsome dude yeah. he's handsome and people uh, like I, that adds to your charisma and your your oomph and and del duca he just doesn't have that and there's nothing wrong with that like you don't have to have that to be pm jean Chrétien was pm um, like I'm not gonna start naming off ugly prime ministers, but like, but if you, you got if you're gonna be butt ugly, you have, you have to, to have something about yes. you, whether it's your personality or your policies, promises, that promises, policies from your image. It's that's the problem. Is like when you stand up when you stand up to the public and say absolutely nothing, all that you're left with is the image, and when it's a revolting image, of course it's going to turn people off, like. Justin Trudeau can stand up there and be completely vapid because whatever he's nice to look at. Del Duca, you can't, you cannot afford to be vapid when you have a face for radio. You have to, <laughs> you have to put a policy forward. So I, I love that when you sent me that tweet from Del Duca that he is going to promise to end privatized health, uh, long-term care in Ontario. Yeah. The only problem I see with it is that it, it's two years too late. At the very least, it's it's a year too late because uh, last year. Um, the PCs unveiled uh, a, a new law to to govern their long-term care policy. This is supposed to be their fix of, of long-term care. And in that law, they walked back one of their key 2018 campaign commitments. And that was uh, to increase the amount of care that each resident of a long-term care home receives. They wanted, in, in 2018, they promised that each resident would be given four hours of care per day. The current is is two hours and, and 45 minutes uh, by the end of this first mandate. In that new law, they're moving the target to 2025, and they're no longer making it a mandatory target. It's just the the goal is to, is to get there, but they're not making it mandatory. So it, already we have a, a betrayal of long-term of long-term uh, care residents, not to mention the 4,300 that died already uh, yeah. of COVID in in those uh, legislation in those long-term care homes. So bloodbath. Uh, yeah, it, uh, 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 a complete massacre. Um, that was a perfect time for Del Duca to take this signature policy, jam it into the conversation when everyone was talking about it, paint this government in complete failure. Uh, and show how visible. he would be different. And he hasn't he, been visible at all. Yeah, he waited way, way too long. Now maybe I'm going to eat my words on that. Maybe he is trying to, uh, you know, be the dark horse that's going to uh, arise from the from the grave. People uh, do like an underdog. It's possible. It's it's not it's not impossible. What I'm, but I do think he's playing way way too. Uh, he's he's playing his cards way way too close to his chest. And I guess the thing that would probably most convince me of that right now is uh, a breakdown of, of the polling where you have like a, basically a, a third of the of the province loves the premier they're they're down for him no matter what he does uh, a third seems to be finding him they say that he's acceptable uh, they, they, they're, they're okay with him and there's a third that that hates him the third that hates him that's like 
divided quite evenly between the uh, between the liberals and the NDP. They need the to third, coalesce. Yeah, the third that is um, the, the the third that it that that finds Ford okay, but you know is looking elsewhere. The liberals are actually leading that group, and my worry is the liberals are looking at this and they're thinking, oh. Um, Rather than you know going against Doug Ford, we just need to show that we can make minute improvements to his policies. We're going to go after his his softer voters. I feel this is a huge, huge problem for them. If they think that that this is possible, um, I, I think they're lying to themselves. Because to be perfectly honest, that third of voters, they could just as easily stay home. There's a huge port like sure, all of Stephen Del Duca's numbers. Out? Yeah, who's going to come all... out because Stephen Del Duca is yeah. the leader? Who's going well, to come like, out? When you look at Stephen Del Duca's numbers, like the huge portion of his numbers is all in the don't knows or don't know very much or don't care very much. Like he he's he's, he's reasonably positive impressions, but it's all built on a completely false facade. So it's like it, 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 he, you're saying, yeah, he's he's getting closer in the polls, sure. I think it's like it's built off of these soft, this, the softest possible voters, and he's doing absolutely nothing to reinforce them and and get them closer to to his camp, and and that's that's going to be deadly for his, his electoral. Chances. If they're just parking their vote there, they're not committed. He needs to get them committed it somehow with a compelling narrative. He doesn't have to be, uh, you know, like this this beauty, a beautiful um, person. You know, he doesn't have to be if he gives people a reason you know, to, 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 to vote for him, but he, he isn't giving people a compelling reason. He isn't giving people a compelling narrative. He hasn't shown why voters should suddenly, should suddenly forgive the liberals, uh, after a long time in power, they had 15 years yeah. in power, a long time in power. I don't know if voters are, are quite convinced rightfully or wrongfully. I don't know if voters are quite convinced that the, the liberals have learned their lesson. Uh, and Del Duca isn't giving them reason to commit to them and he could, but he's not. And he just hasn't been visible, and maybe that'll change, but he just, to date, hasn't been visible. And that's a so, big so problem. We should write, what do you think would be the, the perfect uh, three platform points? Because you started it, but I think we can do a little bit better than the three that you started with. I For think Del that Duca? this, this, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the private, the, the ending privatized healthcare, I think that's great. Privatized long term. Yeah, care. sorry, sorry, sorry. Ending privatized long term care. I think that's great. The, and, and then the UBI pilot. This is where I think he needs to have the same level of ambition in all three of those points. So rather than just saying he's going to restart the UBI pilot. Do UBI. It's UBI. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, you're UBI right. is yep. the thing. Like that's your, yep. your evolution. You're not just restarting the things that, that Win did. You're moving past Win. You're showing that you've learned, that you've taken your licks, that you are now the new liberal government that this Precisely. is your new vision it's not just about resurrecting what failed before so that's like, you know why they're not doing it i'll tell you why yeah why are they not doing it it's because they're they probably have advisors or people around them that are telling them oh no if we actually commit to ubi then you know what they're gonna say there go the liberals spend 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 but they're going to say that anyway. Yeah, and that's the problem. That's why I said they're focusing on that middle third of people that don't care very much. And it's just a mistake. What you got to do is convert those third people into the type that hates Doug Ford. That you got to make those people in the, th in the middle third care. If you're aiming all your policies at the people that don't give a shit, uh, they're not going to come out and vote for you. No I wouldn't say that you have say. to make people hate Doug Ford, though, because I think then you're still not putting the spotlight on you. They need to make people yeah, care yeah, about yeah. them. 
that's what they need to do. I mean, hey, hey making people, you know, heaping shit on Doug Ford, I'll, I'll do that any day, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> but that's easy, right? That's the easy, that's the easy route. And they don't want to take the easy route. They want to give people a reason, for sure. So, yeah. Um, I think all, all good points, you know. And I think, um, you know, like, I mean, what to say about um, Hor- Horvath's chances? It, we really don't know. We really don't know. It, I mean, well, I we think... do know. Like she's slipping in the polls. She she took a uh, an opposite uh, official opposition status and completely blew it back in third place. But Doesn't it's so really odd seem because to be a contention. She yeah. there's such a there's such a um, what's the word I'm looking for a little bit of an enigma, an enigma because you know like they're coming out I think with better promises, but it's just a tired leader. So it doesn't matter it, with the NDP. I, I don't think it's that. I mean, okay, I think the NDP have two problems. One is their leader's been there too long. The second, for whatever reason, maybe in part because their current leader's been there for too long, they can't get out from under the specter of Bob Ray. They just can't. That's why the PCs use that line, because there's a good chunk of the population, a lot of working class people who are probably maybe even work unionized jobs, who don't want to vote for the NDP. They don't want to vote for the NDP. They want to vote for the PCs because they don't trust the NDP after Bob Ray. And I'm not saying that's fair to Bob Ray. I think it's ridiculous because we don't... You know, to to contrast that, Mike Harris, who beat Bob Ray in 1995, uh, there was a poll of Ontarians a few years ago. I can't remember how long, but it was probably like not any longer than five years ago. I remember reading it relatively recently. And um, Ontarians, when they were polled, who's your favorite premier of all time, like Ontario premier of all time, uh, Mike Harris got it. And how? so it's, I know. So oh. it's like the, 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 because the, the NDP of the third party, I do think they have a little bit of that third-party stigma where, um, and this is where it's not fair to the NDP, where is Bob Ray, okay, Bob Ray ceased being Ontario Premier almost 30 years ago. He started being Ontario Premier 32 years ago. Shut up about Bob Ray. Get over Bob Ray. But the the thing is, is people won't because of the sort of third-party stigma. So the PCs use it as the, the easy line, like, oh, these NDP, you can't take those crazy communists seriously. Remember what Bob Ray did? Blah, 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 blah. And it's so it's so long-lasting in Ontario. It just is. So, But now the other problem is the NDP doesn't do themselves any favors because they need a, le- a leadership reset. They've needed one very badly, and they haven't taken it. So I don't think they've done any favors there. Um, but, I, but I will say that that phenomenon, the specter of Ray isn't entirely their fault though they could do more to overcome it for sure um and for that reason doug ford might get elected to a second term in which case you know there's a saying you get the politician you deserve um and i don't know what to deserve but you certainly you get the politician you vote for literally um like and if you don't read the fine print that's your fault Yep. When you are upset at the consequences later, that's and, your and fault. And the NDP, so if we're talking about good policies. They're they're in this poll in this election. They're promising universal pharmacare, from so far yeah. as I've read. So I think that if if you're looking at your three policies, so like ending privatized long term care homes, universal basic income, universal pharmacare. I think you've got three policies. You can door knock on any door, and you've got them. Like there is a there are some NDP uh, staffers that or I should say volunteers that that knocked on my door and the fir- and the first thing they talked to me about was rent control which you're like sure that's that's great in in the city ridings but I own my condo so it doesn't really mean anything to me we're just sort of having an intellectual conversation but if you if you have you know three policy points that are all broadly hit, uh, that, that hit broad segments of the population that sound great that aren't too uh, profoundly offensive to anyone 
um, or at the very least, they're going to start really good conversations to those people that are offended. Um, you, you have exactly what you want, an electoral platform. Whereas right now, I think both are a little shaky. The NDP looks much better, but it's just way too long. Uh, the liberals, it's like you have a good tweet, but not not a good platform on your website. When I go to when I when I look you up on on your on the liberal platform, so far, um, we just need to merge them together, weave a coherent message, and get a coherent messenger. Like uh, I think there's I think there is an alternative world where Jagmeet Singh is the premier of Ontario. If 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 Horvath had stepped aside and Jagmeet Singh had had taken over, I think that he could have credibly defeated Doug Ford. Yeah, Probably for sure. you need a slightly different platform than than Horvath took into that election, but he should was should have been his like, move though. Should have been his move. Yeah, yeah, it, like that was that, that was quite the uh, a possibility. He'd right be able now to it's just more. The, he, then he'd be able to get new hospitals built. Yeah, ex- exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so there's a. That those are the those are the things that I'd recommend, and I don't know why the the liberals and, and NDP aren't aren't willing to to work together a little bit more. Like the, if their federal cousins are are willing to do it, um, it it just makes sense. Like at this point, they seem to be giving uh, Ford his government, and it's just indefensible. Like the, it's it's not helping anyone. Um, yeah, that's that's all I can really say about that. Well, I mean, it's the thing is, it's very possible, very, very possible that Doug Ford could be premier come June. He he, or come July. You know, we could be celebrating a Canada Day, and he will, you know, have want just won his second mandate. It's not impossible. Ontarians can be very, um, you know, passive because, and that's not exclusive to Ontario. Canadians in general, and a lot of countries around the world, actually, if if the incumbent's been in. It's just the devil they know, and about 35 to 40% of the population can be good with the devil they know. They just can be. And the reality is, under first-past-the-post, 35 to 40 is enough, in some cases, to eke out a majority. So you 40% definitely, 35, 36, you'd have to be more strategic about it, but 40 for sure. And those people, there's about 40% of the population, I would say, 35 to 40, that is just passive. And, and if you can pull all those people... Then, which he could do plausibly, Doug Ford, then you're good. Um, if the opposition doesn't give five to ten percent, ideally, of those people a reason to not vote PC, then he very well will win. Um, and I think we're at a crossroads. I mean, uh, to be fair to the parties, like the campaign is just starting up, but it's just disappointing to date what we've seen from both opposition parties for different reasons. Um, and it's appalling. That Doug Ford will, will possibly get a pass for bumbling through um, the worst health crisis in a hundred years. It's just appalling to me. My that, big, appalling, yeah. but unsurprising. It's sick. It makes me sick to my stomach. It's like when they give Will Will Smith a, a standing ovation <laughs> right, after, after he's award, yeah. after he slaps someone. It just it makes you sick, but it's not surprising. So no, yeah. I do think that that Ford is someone who he. Um, he very serendipitously benefited from the fact that Jason Kenney became the most hated conservative politician in the country. Like in the beginning of his term, he was the most unpopular premier. Like uh, mm-hmm. he was consistently ranked uh, the, the worst premier 
um, on on any poll. Uh, it was scandal after scandal. Whether he's mm-hmm. he's giving Dean French's kids like oh, some uh, appointments to a, a, as agent generals and and, oh, and or Dean French's son's lacrosse friend and like like just the so many fucking shit at the beginning and then jason kenny comes along premier of alberta and doubles on every possible scandal he <laughs> absorbs all of the media attention and then of course yeah. you have covid that sucks up even more media attention and just everything that the doug ford did in the very beginning is completely forgotten about and um and I think it really speaks to the the ineptitude of the NDP and the Liberals that they're not reminding the public right now. Like there is more than enough uh, scandal in, in 2018 and, and 2019 that um, you know the, the public should be completely livid. And that's sort of what I and that's why I would like to debate a little bit about you because I do think you need to actually convert that middle third of people. I think you you do need to make the public angry about. Uh, um, Doug Ford. I don't think you need to, to do it right now because it's, it's probably it's probably too late, maybe. But they should have done it to, a while ago. Like it's it's really upsetting to me when I read Abacus polls and I see that the majority of, of the population doesn't thinks that the um, the province is going in the right direction and that that doesn't need to change. That's like that's profoundly disturbing that yeah. we can see a uh, a, a government that is doing everything wrong on, on every possible factor, just not quite as wrong as Jason Kenney. And uh, it's not alerting the, the, the public to what to what's going wrong. And but I mean, I it's not as if the Ontario yeah. public on average is, uh, some people, certainly some Ontarians are aware of what Jason Kenney's up to, but I would say by and large, they aren't. Uh, it's just a remarkable difference. I think it's just, and maybe that's what you were trying to get at, is it's just a remarkable difference in how, the, how Albertans and Ontarians sort of behaved in terms of polling Ontarians are just famously very and again a lot of provinces are like this but for some reason particularly Ontarians are very passive with the incumbency factor they just are and like the majority of Ontarians probably have a short memory like there's probably a lot of scandals to us that they just didn't know about or that they didn't care about or didn't read into so if they're asked how things were going they're like "Ah, you know whatever it's fine like the mask mandate lifted you know, like that's probably what what a lot of people would say, and maybe we don't agree with the mask mandate mandate lifting, or maybe we do, but that's what a good chunk of people would say. So, uh, it it's just, you know, it's 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 disappointing and profound and disturbing. It it's sickening, but it's not surprising. Uh, and I think we're at a crossroads here, where the I would argue the opposition, I mean, they should always have a moral duty to to particularly the progressive party should have a moral duty to push the country forward. I think that's, that's, that's their duty. Uh, like that's, that's one of your dearest principles and it's devastating that the two progressive parties in the province are just kind of spinning their wheels to date. And I, I sincerely hope the election change changes something because as of right now, it looks like Doug Ford could plausibly just kind of half ass his way to a second term now, all here's the key thing that we haven't talked about today. Um, all opposition members, uh, sorry, all opposition leaders are on record saying that they will not uh, prop up a PC government, a, pre- a PC minority. Um, and I mean, I'd have to fact check that actually. Mike Schreiner, I'm not sure, but Andrea Horvath and Stephen Del Duca for sure. Um, let me just fact check that. But 
Oh, okay. All right. So I fact-checked it, and Toronto Star, Robert Benzie, he's the Queen's Park Bureau Chief of the Toronto Star. Great journalist. Uh, the headline is, We Won't Support a Minority Government Led by Doug Ford. All three opposition leaders, uh, Andrea Horvath, Stephen Del Duca, and Green leader Mike Schreiner, they have all, they're all on record saying that they won't prop up a PC minority. Now, it's not to say they couldn't go back on their word. I'm not saying that. Like, negotiations happen, and whether you like it or not, listeners, they happen, you know, in backroom negotiations and phone calls and texts, and that's just how it happens, and, and meetings. Uh, and something could change. I'm not saying they couldn't go back on their word, but it's notable that all three of them are on record saying that they won't, and I do think that is something that voters will... If, if they're not already relatively aware of it, will be reminded of during the election campaign, and it will be politically damaging if the opposition parties, particularly that they're two progressive parties that are supposed to push the country forward, if they don't grow a spine, if they don't grow a spine and stick to their word on this, then what are they there for? Yep. Yep. Just here to, to watch as Ford slowly destroys the, so it's like if you can't win an election on your own and and the other progressive party is garnering with you over 50 percent of the of the percentage even if they're not but right now they're garnering over 50 percent of the vote in the province if that's how much support you're garnering make a fucking deal and knock this clown out of office so yeah i i absolutely agree they do need to work together and the the liberals and the ndp they both have um, the regions of support, or perhaps I should say they have demographics that, that fit better for their messages. Uh, that if the liberals are going to do their, you know, clean suburban mom routine, fine, then the NDP should give them the suburbs. If the NDP wants to do their, their, their union common man routine, they should be given Southern Ontario, where all the union bases are. And uh, they can work it, they can work it out. Have an, have an agreement where uh, Liberals only run in some ridings, NDP only runs, run in some ridings, and then they both run in the in the cities where they can duke it out and you know let the let the best man win there. Um, to have some sort of intellectual competition, I think that this is a very amiable solution, uh, and certainly there are uh, independent movements where. Uh, voters try to strategically align themselves uh, on the progressive wing already, it's time to, to, to lean into that. I think that the, the voters on the left have, have been in this position for a very long time. Uh, I don't really understand why the parties are, are unwilling to, to do this similar thing. I guess because it, it looks kind of dirty and you know the PCs are going to make a big deal of it. But you know what? I, I think it's one of those things where your message and your tactics need to align. If your message is Doug Ford is so terrible that we need to do absolutely everything do in our power to stop him from forming government, then you need to actually do what is in your power to yeah. stop Doug Ford from forming yep. government. <laughs> you have an easy mechanism. And you here's two a, here's guys an example. just fucking work together. Here's an example and you can from prevent our, our him friends from in the winning. South. Yeah. Okay, Obama. And, you know, everybody, oh my God, people are going, you know, I've said Obama, everybody's going, Obama, oh my God, I miss him. You know, and he, he and he was way better than Trump. I'll give you that, but he also was a lot more conservative than people remember, and backed off of a few. He he definitely made a few strategic blunders. You know, more than a few, and uh, the most famous one is, or one of one of the most famous for sure is uh, Syria and Obama's red line. He said. 
if they start using chemical weapons in Syria, or if we find out that's what they're doing, that's the red line, you know, like implying that the U.S. would intervene. And I know that everybody rolls their eyes at the U.S. intervening, but that's because like the shit they've intervened for has been a fucking power grab. Um, this is something that, in my opinion, was worthy of intervention morally. If you're using chemical weapons on civilians, that's probably one of the most horrific war crimes that you could commit. That is a horrific thing. Yeah. And Doug Ford is by far <laughs> way worse than Assad. <laughs> no, my God. So, no. <laughs> so, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, that's, but that's very funny. Very funny. Ha ha. Um, so, what I, what, the reason I'm making the comparison is that was supposed to be his red line morally, right? That was his red line from a moral standpoint. He had a moral obligation at that point, in my opinion, as leader of the so-called free world, to intervene. He did not intervene. He did not make significant progress after Russia annexed Crimea. Those were failures, in my opinion, on his on the on his foreign policy, uh, on the on the foreign policy front. And the reason I'm making that comparison is it's it's similar, in my opinion, morally at this point, for the the Ontario NDP and the Ontario Liberals to, if they can't, if one of them can't pull it off on their own, for fuck's sake. Sorry, I'm swearing so much listeners, but for fuck's sake, make a deal. Make a deal. I think you have a moral yeah. obligation yeah. to, and that's the reason I'm making the comparison with Obama's failure. He had a moral red line. These parties have been on record so much saying that Doug Ford is the arbiter in all nine circles of Dante's hell. <laughs> then they need to put their policies and their strategies where their mouths are and put their eagles aside. Yeah. And when Singh and Trudeau are already working together on the federal level and the sky hasn't fallen, you have a model to do this. Exactly. Like, yeah. I think we're moving into an, an era of politics where progressives are starting to see that the the right is becoming more scary. That the the the, the right taking over is a far worse alternative than uh, either the the NDP or the Liberals taking over. I think for for a long time there definitely was a, a base of support between the Liberals and NDP that was willing to switch uh, either or because they disliked the Conservatives. I think we're moving into the era where the dislike has turned to genuine fear, particularly if you're someone from a racialized community, if you're someone uh, from uh, an LGBT community. The PCs and under Doug Ford should give him credit. Like he is, he's um, removed himself and removed um, members of the of the caucus who uh, were having those conversations that were giving more uh, uh, anti LGBT rhetoric. That and he's been pretty good at, at outreaching to um, uh, different ethnic communities. Um, but <laughs> the fear definitely remains certainly in the in, in the federal cousin of the of, of the conservatives and if we're just looking about pure survival of the planet like this is a this is a guy who canceled cap and trade who fought against uh carbon tax who he's building a massive highway essentially just to benefit uh uh his own donors and friends who are developers uh he's cut chipping away at the green belt He's, he's being given awards by uh, the city of Oakville for not building housing. Like, this is a, it's, it's a guy that's, that's making every problem that we have worse. Um, can, 
at, at a certain point, this is this moves beyond just dislike of the man. It has to it has to become genuine fear of, of what this guy can do with with four more. I mean, you know what years. kills me? Like his. What kills yeah. me is that I mean a lot of things about this kill me to be honest. But like another another one where that's like oh it's just like right it should be right in front of people's faces if they just like you know read more than five articles a month or or if they even read five I mean people read five articles articles in a month but you know like people don't read as many articles as I do and I'm not saying they should read as much as I do but like my God if they'd been doing any reading at all they would know that they would they they would have a long enough memory to remember that when this guy took power, he was the guy that came in saying he was, was going to essentially drain the swamp. He didn't say drain the swamp, but that was his whole platform. Like I'm going to get these dirty liberals out of here and clean things up. Great. Let's put you in power. Let's give you a majority out of the blue and you're Doug Ford and Rob Ford was a disaster. Okay. Doug Ford. Sure. Majority. Here you go. You get a fucking majority. You let it go to your head. You start appointing Dean French's relatives you put Dean French in your fucking office in the first place. That's a big mistake. Um, you know, like all of the things that you sort of, you know, the, the, where you're, where you're giving jobs to the boys, you know, to the old boys that, that were in, are in your party or supported you or did you favors or whatever, you know, like, I guess everybody's got a, you know, there's going to be a few patron, probably a few patronage appointments in the government. I think there, there just are, I'm not saying it's, it's right ethically, but there just are. But he was like, just everything was a patronage appointment. It's like, okay, Here's a here's a single source contract to Shoppers Drug Mart uh, to uh, sell rapid tests, rapid tests for forty dollars. Uh, or here's um, here's, here's here's my friend. I'm gonna make the chief of the yep, OPP. Or or yep that. Or here's uh, Highway Four Four Thirteen, uh, which is gonna help my friends at Madame. Or like it's just it's very blatantly. Um, he's still and and, the, and but that's the thing is if anybody had been paying attention they'd be saying that they'd be seeing that, okay, sure. He's been premier and maybe you're giving, you're sort of, well, he's the incumbent. Like he's the devil. I know he's been in for four years almost. Okay. Whatever. Think about this guy. He's just because he's like been a little kinder and he showcased that he can be a genuinely nice person. And I do think he, you know, even though he's a cynical politician, I do think he's probably a guy I would enjoy having a beer with. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think he's actually probably a chill guy. If you talk to him, not about what he fucking thinks. <laughs> like, I think if yeah. you just ran into him in the bar kind of thing and like talked about your mm-hmm. kids or whatever, or talked about the weather or talked about like entertainment or food or something like I'm, I'm sure you would enjoy a conversation with Doug Ford. I think he's, he can be, he's capable of being a likable guy, but he's so cynically like he's, he's so like, like visibly cynical and visibly like ethically lapsing all the time. But people like don't see it for whatever reason, because he comforted them during COVID and he, and he was good during COVID at, the, at first with the addresses. He was at the very beginning. He was, but very then good people kind of like, I was the thing is, is then people kind of started tuning out of the daily COVID briefings. So they paid less attention to the numbers because they already heard it like 30 times and they, it was fatiguing. They're tired of hearing about it. And so they paid attention to less COVID news. And then so maybe they weren't paying attention to the bloodbath that was happening in the province. So their last memory of Doug Ford was like, aside from the April thing, which I think did become April 2021, that that became those series of restrictions became very visible and people were very angry. So I think that was the exception. But for the most part, people were like, oh, Doug Ford, you know, whatever. Like he wasn't as bad as we thought. He's not Trump. And and that's the other thing. That's the other thing that I think, you know, that if you're going to say that somebody is like Trump or if you're going to equate somebody to that level, you have then have an obligation to 
follow up those those words with action. Uh, and on the federal level, all the liberals that are saying that, and, and myself, you know, I would say, I'm not saying Polyev is Donald Trump in the flesh, like there are crucial differences, but the way he plays politics is very Trumpian. Um, if you're going to compare somebody to Trump and they're that much of an existential threat to the way the country operates, then you need to follow that up with action. You need to follow that up with action because if you don't, you're going to pay because people won't take what you say yeah. seriously. And then you'll have a bunch of mediocre leaders or you'll have the same mediocre yeah, leader. Absolutely. And it's a damn shame. Sorry, listeners. I wish we had a happier thing to say. I mean, it's hopeful. I want to be hopeful. Like the campaign could change everything. Campaigns matter. But if my God, I'm just not yeah, confident. And, yeah. And the, the only problem is that this, the liberals are the ones that seem to be closing the gap, but it's the NDP that's actually fundraising better and ha- seems to have the infrastructure to, to bring out the the votes. So there's still a, a huge misalignment strategically between who has momentum and who can use the momentum. It's a, it's, they, they need to work together. Yeah. Like it's, I don't really think that there seems to be much solution unless Steven Del Duca is going to magically discover personality. Like you're talking about, Oh, Doug Ford looks like a guy that I could have a beer with. Stephen Del Duca looks like the the guy that's gonna steal my beer and chug it in the back room before a dumpster. Like he's just he terrifies me. Hey, <laughs> you need to have he the glasses if you're if you're gonna. Oh well, I don't. It's not the glasses, but it, I I don't think it has anything to. But but I, but I'm I not saying that like, like I'm not saying gotta, that like cause a paradigm shift in what people think of him. But I just noticed yeah. that his team ditched. The, they're like, okay, Stephen ditched the glasses. Well, no, well, I'm trying to it's think like of something rolls like up his sleeves. that's just too cosmetic. Like a Schultz, the okay, Stephen uh, Harper the, the took off his glasses. Germany, so, so cool now. No, no, no. Like that's it's too cosmetic. I, I'm I'm thinking like uh, Schultz in uh, in Germany, that the the current chancellor, head of the Socialist Party there. He's famous for having no personality, but he just sort of leaned into that. He's like, now people call him the Schultzenbot. There's like, like the, basically like Harper Robo Schultz. Into that. And he Sometimes like, he did. But... He, he became like, I'm going to be a policy wonk and that's going to be my thing. I'm going to always talk about policy. I'm going to all, I'm, I'm going to always be really boring. Apparently Germans like that. And I'm, yeah, I'm always going to be just, I'm always going to be on the ball. I'm going to be super smart. I think if, if if Steven Del Duca can't get a personality, you need to lean into that. Not you got to be the you, you got to be the guy that's always talking about your policies. You're really excited. If you want to be his lover, you got to or... get with his friends. Oh, brother! This guy stinks. It's just the way it goes. <laughs> Thank you, Mel B. Thank you. So here's the story from A to Z. No, it's Z, but I, I refuse to say Z. That is a that is an American word. Yeah. From, from a bridge band somehow. <laughs> yeah, I know. They used A, a to Z. They it's also a weird, say Z. They, they chose to Americanize it for the American market. <laughs> That's what selling out really means. And on Speech from the Throne, listeners, we promise to never sell out. It's going to be Z all the way. <laughs> until Elon Musk forces yeah, us to until change. until Elon Musk stages a hostile takeover of our small, 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 we love you, listeners, but small podcast. <laughs> I mean, we're growing. <laughs> And thank you for that, by the way. We had, what, 70? How many listeners in the last episode? Between platforms, over 70, and it's still growing. That's just and that's And that's days. really, really awesome to see. I don't know if this episode uh, has, has proven to be as exciting as the last, listeners. We couldn't get journalists on to rant with us today. Um, we just wanted to, to rant ourselves, and we, we hope you liked that. And um, stay tuned for definitely more guests in the future. I have no idea who yet because we sort of planned that on the fly like we sort of 
when we make this podcast, we sort of focus on what, what's been happening in the news the last week or so kind of thing. Um, maybe sometimes two weeks, like if it's a very significant event, but usually like the last week or so, like a week radius almost. Uh, and so like it, that's um, kind of how we operate. So I don't know who our guests are going to be, but I'm certain there will be more of them. Um, and so stay tuned for that. Thanks for sticking with us. I hope we've been able to provide something exciting to you, uh, you know, a little bit of change in your routine. Maybe you don't listen to a whole lot of politics podcasts. Maybe this is like your 30th politics podcast, but whatever that is, we're happy to have you on board. Uh, and you can also send us your feedback. If you like uh, what what you heard, if there's suggestions, um, I've, I've gotten some feedback that people want to receive links somehow of the sources I mentioned or Jacob mentions. Uh, I think that's a brilliant idea. I'll have to talk to you, Jacob, more about how to, to work that out, but I'm sure we can definitely do yeah, something. Yeah, I will uh, definitely put a URL to my imagination. Yeah, yeah, sure. we'll just... we'll do. That's that's where all my sources well, well, come from. Well, Bill Gates from. gave uh, us it's, chips. It's every every fact and figure is is, in, is entirely a product of my imagination. There's there's no research that goes into this. Uh, I pull everything out of my ass. No, no, no. Bill Gates and, gave uh, us chips so that we can just we can oh, put the URLs. Oh, I auto download. We can put, no, no, no. We can put yeah, the true. URLs for the people on our chips, and then they can we they can just we we can show them the QR code that links directly to the chip, and then they can just. Yeah, but I haven't got my fourth booster yet, Liam. So I don't think that I've, oh, I. Oh, was that? that oh, yet. was that new with the fourth booster? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. I, I think I think that's okay. the fourth dose. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, see if you hated that, if you love that, <laughs> if you have suggestions for what you what we want to talk about, if you want to hear to to have links to the specific sources we mentioned, if you have other suggestions, anything, speechfromthethrone at gmail.com. That's speechfromthethrone at gmail.com, and we will see you in the next one. Adiós.